0: Now, this is a song we don't do too often, but I really, for tonight's lesson, I wanted to do this. We find it in in the 51st Psalm. This is David's prayer. David, we know, fell with Bathsheba. But I I want you to understand something today. A lot of Christians think, you know, as long as I do this, that, or the other thing, I'll never fall. Well, 1 Corinthians tells us very clear, take heed he who thinks he stand, lest he fall. The reality of our lives, ladies and gentlemen, is we always. Levi, good to see you, bud. It's it's always, it's always right in front of us. You know which direction, which list, which voice we listen to, which thought we yield to. And this song is, is David's prayer. is made It was written by Keith Green. Some of you older, old enough to remember Keith Green. And it's probably one of my favorite songs because I love singing the psalms anyway. I love singing God's Word because the folks, the reality, the only strength we have is God's Word. You might get enamored by, by the wondrous, oratory excellence of my verbiage. <laughs> but it ain't worth squat compared to God's Word, okay? And that's that's where we got to stand. And so when I'm going through struggles, folks, I don't pull out my old sermons. I don't pull out. I pull out God's Word. God, what's your Word say about this? And that's what David did. When he stood before Nathan, and Nathan said, you know, David, you're the man. David fell on his face. He didn't make excuse. He didn't try to pass the buck. He didn't point this at, at Nathan and said, you realize I can kill you for this? What David said, he said, God, before you and you only have I done this great thing, this awful thing, this great sin. And so today, when you're making a mistake, which I say that without without any question, because we are going to make mistakes, we're going to come to God and say, God, help us. And we're going to turn to that 51st Psalm. And we're going to pray the same prayer that David prayed. And it went something like this. Create in
1: me a clean heart, O
0: God. And renew right spirit within me. Let's sing it again, the same, same verse. Create
1: in me a clean
0: heart. Right spirit and renew right spirit within me. Now we'll stop there before we go to the next line. David, like us, when we mess up, immediately the enemy comes in with condemnation. He comes in with guilt and says, Who do you think you are? Curse yourself and die, as Job's wife kept telling Job over and over. The devil wants nothing more for you to come in and look in the mirror and say, what good is it? Just throw in the towel and quit. See, this is what David was dealing with. You know, because God told him that the son of their daughter Bathsheba, or the his wife Bathsheba, was going to die. And God said, God, he did nothing. Or David said, God, he did nothing. Why is he going to die? Folks, we don't know why God does all the stuff he does. But David, we know, fell on his face, and for days, weeks, whatever it was, he prayed. And he said, God, your mercy is from everlasting to everlasting. You can change this situation. Well, the outcome was the baby died. But immediately, it was victory in the midst of a defeat, if you will. The Bible says David got up off the ground. Went and cleaned himself up and went right back to work. Because he knew God was God. And that God was going to do what God was going to do. But that God's mercy was from everlasting to everlasting. And he told his servants, he said, the baby's gone. And it's sure that he's not coming back to me. But one day, I am going to go see him. Right there in that, David knew that the condemnation, the guilt, was all lifted. And this is what he said.
1: Cast me not away from thy presence, O Lord. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me.
0: be not away head in me you see the whole picture of what David dealt with he said God I want you to return to me the joy of my salvation because the enemy wants to steal that from us and he wants to keep us just walking and getting by but God doesn't want us to live that way and he said God the only way I know to do this is to get right back with you come right back to that place that I knew I should have never left and that is asking you God to create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit and then as the devil would condemn he'd say God cast me not away from thy presence and God don't take your Holy Spirit from me You know, God can do anything he wants to do. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation and renew a right spirit. How many ever made a mistake? You think I was talking about in the past. I'm talking about today. I want you to look at this. You can open your Bibles, 51st Psalm, and you can see it right there. David's own words, his own writing, as we sing it again.
1: Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew new right spirit within
0: me. Create in me. Oh God and renew a right spirit. Cast me not away.
1: Cast me not.
0: Restore to me, restore the joy of thy salvation, joy of thy
1: salvation, and
0: give him a hand clap of praise. Would you? Isn't that a great, great psalm? You know, when I, when I do get discouraged, when I do deal with things, Chuck, this thing is falling down my back. (laughs) Would you fix it? Isn't this terrible? I got wires all over me and they keep falling down. Could you clip it right up here? If you could, please. Uh, I love the Psalms. The clip's gone. Oh, wonderful. I lost it. Okay, is it down anywhere down there? Okay, then here. Just take this and go somewhere with it. (laughs) Please. Is it there? Yeah, just take it back to your wife. She'll know what to do with it. Oh, thank you, Kathy, for making us sound good. And thank you, Bob, for always making the words come out good. Do you all notice that every once in a while the words that are on the screen and the words I sing are different? (laughs) Okay. I I want you to know it's not because I got to be honest. It's not because of Bob's um, typographical errors. It's because my eyes and my head and my mouth don't always work together. And so I, I try, but, uh, Praise God for His grace and mercy. We have been talking about an invisible war. And as we begin this tonight, I want to ask you, how many have been able to battle this war a little more effectively now that you have a good handle on it? A few hands. Now, I know some of us, this might just be a refresher some of us might be whatever, but I know as a pastor, studying this stuff, it reminds me of the battle that I'm in. It's a battle that I'm in. But I want, you, I want you to think about this for a second. It's a battle I chose to be in. You say, well, pastor, what if I don't choose to be in that battle? Then you lose. You see, the only way you win is you've got to get on the winning side. Does that make sense? The only way you win and the only one that can defeat Satan is God. And it's God's grace in us that enables us to defeat him. So when we say, well, I just don't want to get in the battle, then you lose. We have to suit up. We have to put on the armor of God. So we're going to start out tonight, okay? And and, uh, Will, do you want to be our runner again? I always put Will on the spot because he runs good. Okay. Okay, so uh I've got a lot of scripture that I want to take you into uh as we get into our notes. Uh John eight forty four. Steve, do you have your Bible with you? Okay, no? Jill, do you have one? Heather, I'll just keep going down the line then. Okay. John eight forty four. Heather, if you would. Uh Danny Astorio, you got your Bible with you? Revelation twelve nine Um, 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 uh, Leila. Okay, I need you to give me first First Corinthians, first Corinthians six, nineteen. Will First Corinthians ten twelve. Okay, and then, uh, let's see, where are we at here? And then, uh, Justine, first John four four. Satan has one power, and I've taught this. Since the day this church began, what power is that? Deception. He has no authority. Satan has no authority. That was stripped when he was kicked out of heaven. He was. If not, he was one of the most powerful angels of all creation. Lucifer. Before pride was found in him. We've taught in this class, okay? Now, look at me, please. Every one of us deal with pride. Pride's not bad if you have it. It's when it begins to have you. That's what happened to King David. That's where this 51st Psalm comes from, okay? He was caught up in his pride, okay? The tradition and the... Strategy was every king went to war with his army. That was the motivation. That was the strength that everybody got was the king was there. The king believes in this. We believe in the king. Let's go. But he's not with the battle. He's up on the rooftop. Can I tell you something about the wrong place? Always the wrong time. And so he was in the wrong place. And the devil, folks, the devil's always going to get you. That's why God tells us flee the very appearance of evil. Deception. Now, you might be a strong Christian. I've been, I've been pastoring almost 35 years you would constitute that as being a pretty strong guy, wouldn't you? Okay, that this guy has really got his act together. How many pastors that have been pastoring longer than me have you read in the newspapers? All flat on their face. I, I remember... Uh, uh, who was the guy down in Florida? Baker. Jim Baker. Some of you all remember the name Jim Baker. Had a... Mega Empire, and you know it started out great, but Jim and his wife Tammy got about Jim and Tammy, and it became a bad thing and the whole thing crumbled the whole thing you know literally fell apart, but it destroyed thousands, if not tens of thousands of Christians, but the ones that are looking at man and not at God. He wound up in prison and he was interviewed in prison by by a, a guy, and, and I think the women's class talked about it a little bit, but he was interviewed in prison. And uh, the the guy interviewing him said, you know, the, you know, I'm sorry about this great travesty, you being in prison and so on and so forth. And he said, I, I don't call it, call it travesty. I call it God's mercy. God let me go into the hog trough of life and I could come to my senses. Folks, being down... It's not bad if you fell from a high place. If you think yourself unable to fall. I remember years and years ago as a young, as a young Christian, I loved God. And I still, you know, still love God. But I loved God. Man, I was so on fire. I, was so, I sat across the table from a pastor friend, a pastor of the church that I was in. And I said, you know, I think I'm at the place that I won't ever fall. I'm that excited. I love God that much. Folks, it wasn't two weeks later. I was flat on my face. Why? The devil says, oh, really? You think it's that easy, do you? The hardest thing you'll ever do. Folks, it's not difficult to be a Christian. It's impossible. Outside of Christ. That's why people say, well, you know, I'm just living a good moral life. Hell's going to be lined with moral people. I'm just trying to make right decisions. What about Jesus? Well, I'm not doing that. Yeah. That's the only right decision, folks. And it was back then that I learned this passage in First Corinthians ten twelve. I think you have it, Will. And then we'll go down the line of the rest. Deception. What's it say there in First Corinthians ten twelve? Okay, everybody, don't be like Will. Have your scripture already found, ready to go. I know you thought you'd be the last one. That's okay, Will. We love you. Everybody says we love you, Will. We love you, Will. Okay.
1: Okay. 1 Corinthians ten, twelve. So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall.
0: If you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. What does that mean? How, if you're standing firm, can you fall? Let's talk about it for a minute. We're talking about this invisible war. Why, why is there a Romans chapter 7? You don't remember 7. It says, the things I want to do, I don't do. And the things I don't want to do, I wind up doing. Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of corruption? Corruption. And then rhetorical question says, I thank God through Jesus Christ. How, if you're standing, can you fall? You let sin come into you? Pride. Pride? Very good. But how's it get in there? If you think you're standing, how's it get in there, Mike? We're human? We're in this flesh. Can I tell you, every single one of you in this room, your flesh wants to take you straight to hell. Amen. Doesn't want you to pass go, don't want you to collect $200, just straight to hell. And if your flesh has its way, your flesh is where Satan rules. Okay, how's he ruling your flesh? To control you through your thoughts. <coughs> He can't read your mind, but he can plant seeds. You ever, you, you, once again, as a young Christian, or actually a young Christian, as a Christian just in general, you ever been in church and all of a sudden the wildest thought comes to your mind? You're right in church. You're right in the presence of God. <laughs> yeah, don't answer that, sweetheart, please. Okay. Okay, think about it for a second. You're in church. You're listening to the, the most awesome oration that would ever be brought across a pulpit. Woo-hoo. I'm hearing all these throw-up sounds. Where, what's that about? But you're, seriously, you're in church, and the Word of God is coming forth. And the, you know the, 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 the things of God are being manifest in the house. And all of a sudden, these thoughts come in. And do you ever notice they come in living color? You try to remember the ans—you try to remember the answers for your test, and you can't remember them that well. But these other thoughts—is that just showing up? Can I tell you why it shows up? Because we dug it up first. Remember last week I told a story about rats, trash, trash garbage. Do you ever know that you never find rats just hanging out? They're always where the garbage is. Well, the story I shared, I might share it again tonight, equates rats to demons. Demons only hang out where they're welcome. That's why God says, watch what you look at. Watch what you listen to. Well, Pastor, it wasn't a bad movie. I mean, mean, it only had 38 minutes of nudity. It was a two-hour movie. How do you fall if you think you're standing? It's not really a question that can just be simply answered in one thing or another. There's multiple things, okay? But the reality is when we think we stand in Christ, sometimes we forget all about Jesus because we're just standing. Well, I'm doing right, aren't we? This Sunday I'm going to ask a few questions of our lives satan's only weapon is deception you say well pastor how do you know if you're following jesus or following god rome or john 844 i think heather we want up with you we went down the line and we went with you
1: you belong to your father the devil and you want to carry out your father's desire he was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lives.
0: We think we, f- we stand, but our desires are betraying us. Our thoughts are betraying us. We're yielding to things we shouldn't think. We're walking places we shouldn't walk. Yeah, but I'm, I can handle this. I can stand in this. What's the Bible say? If you're following your own desires, who are you following? Revelation twelve 9. nine. Okay?
1: Here
0: I want to take you all the way to heaven. Oh. See, I'm, I want us to see how powerful this guy is. Okay? Oh, okay. I, I think that's Daniel. Okay? okay. <laughs> I, want us, I want you to see how powerful this guy is. He's in heaven. Lucifer, he's in heaven, the presence of God, a myriad of angels. The number of angels in heaven is so numerous, you cannot even number them. That's what myriad means, (coughs) an innumerable amount. So Lucifer is in heaven. God says, you can't be here anymore. So he cast him out. But look what it says of his being cast out. Revelation 12:9. Go ahead.
1: Okay. And the the great dragon was thrown down, the serpent of the old, who is called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world.
0: Who does what to the whole world?
1: Deceives
0: the whole world. Okay. Now that world does not exclude Christians. That world is humankind. He deceives the whole world. He was cast out of heaven. Okay? So Satan's only power is deception. How does he exude that power? Through taking the truth and perverting it. You see, Heather just read this said, when you follow that desire, when you follow the ambitions of the flesh, we're following Satan's desires. And who is Satan? He was a liar from the beginning. In the Garden of Eden, did the devil tell Eve any lies? He said, you see that tree? That's a nice tree, ain't it? And that fruit's good for food, isn't it? And didn't God say that you could partake of any tree in the garden? Except for that tree? Did he he lie? But what did he say? He perverted the truth. See, God said, in the day you eat, you will surely die. What does Satan say? Remember Genesis 3, what did he say? You will not surely die. You will become like God. See, God's holding that back from you. How many, anybody here ever been told you can't have something? And what did that make you want? You wanted it. Even, oh, yeah. When the wife says you can't have that fine new truck. Oh, bless God. <laughs> Who she thinks she is. You want it even more. Okay. And that's what you'll not surely. Adam, Eve, let me tell you something. God's not telling you the whole scoop here. He wants to keep that for himself. You know why? The minute you eat that, you'll be just like him. And you'll know good and evil. See, being God is a whole lot more than just knowing good and evil. But that's what he told him. So he didn't lie. He just twisted. The devil does the same thing. Well, I'm standing. Well, one beer ain't going to matter. Come on. You're not going to go to hell for a beer. That first one was pretty good. I think I better do a second one. And pretty soon, two six-packs later. Somebody said that one time, didn't they? (laughs) Wrong place is always the wrong time. But what's Satan do? He just perverts the situation, perverts the truth. Last week I shared the story of rats. Rats. And how they're just like demons. And it's when we're in the wrong place that they're saying, just a little bit more. Just this, just that. The word perversion has an interesting definition. It's in your notes. It simply means to change something from its intended purpose. One of the things that's big in this world today Is sexual perversion. is happening all around us. And the church, if you read the news, is buying it lock, stock, and barrel. Well, God's a God of love, so what's the problem? Whether it's two guys, two girls, or one guy and one girl. What's the problem? God said it's a problem. It's a perversion. It's taking something from its intended purpose. Okay. I want to go on because I told you I'm going to get through this tonight. Satan attacks, okay, through perversion is where he gets his four obstacles of deception. The first one that you see in your notes is oppression. Oppression is simply defined as a very harsh domination. You ever walked around and you just kind of feel this ugliness about you? I'm not talking about you looked in the mirror and you saw the reality. Okay, I'm not talking about that. Okay, I, I do that every morning and I say, oh, God, ugh. I don't know who that is standing there, but it sure wasn't me. Okay, but oppression—it's a harsh domination. as a very—that's the simplest way I could define it. Okay, you're walking around and you're just kind of feeling weighted down. You kind of feel an ugliness. Oh, you're not necessarily depressed, but you're just saying, "What the heck is this?" I just kind of there's a kind of a weight on you. That's how Satan perverts the intended purpose of your life the second thing that Satan can do is he can not only oppress you but he can cause you to be obsessed to be obsessed is very simply you're just preoccupied with everything I, I had a a young man in, in church years and years ago he he actually was in our church and he was our worship leader he didn't start out that way I raised him up to be the worship leader and poured into him I told him I said now understand. The position you're in is one of Satan's number one attacks. Why? Because that's the position he was in. He was the worship leader of heaven, and so he ain't doing that anymore. Oh, he's doing it through the world's music. I, I can't believe I'm, I'm I'm looking at these concerts in Phoenix. What's the big one that just happened? Uh, Metallica. I mean, all these. Groups that spit out all, you know, all this garbage. And I'm looking at all the Christians that are raving about it. And I'm thinking, come on, guys. What's, where's the glory? Now, I'm not saying you can't go to a concert. I'm not telling you. But I'm saying, what does the enemy do? So this guy, he was the worship leader, and he got obsessed with the cults. Pastor, I'm just studying them because I, I know they're bad. And he was studying Jehovah Witnesses and Mormons and and uh, Buddhism and, and Hinduism and and Baha'i and and uh, you know all these isms and schisms. And I told him, I said, Ray, you don't want to do that. You want to get obsessed? Get obsessed with God's Word. Well, I don't know if there are any correlation, but just about ten years ago, I heard that he killed himself. The devil will not stop. If he can get you going down a path, he'll oppress you where you're just walking around. He's yeah, kind of got a, a feeling of the uglies or he'll, he'll obsess you. You'll be preoccupied with everything you touch. The third thing, and I want you to notice there's one word I'm not saying. The third thing is a suppression. When a person is suppressed, it's almost like they try to do something good. They just can't do it. I'm, about, I'm not talking about they're living in sin, but they're trying, they're living for God. They want to go to that next step. They want, to, they want to step out, but they're kind of like they're held back. That's what a suppression is. Why can't I just cross this bridge? Why can't I step through? Well, Jesus said there's certain kinds that only come out by prayer and fasting. There's certain victories that we can only get when we will deny our flesh and really subdue it. So that's suppression the third or the fourth thing and they're in this order okay you go from oppression to obsession to suppression to depression and depression is just when you're i mean you're just you're just sad all the time you're just bummed out all the time you're kind of slumped over all the time i went to our to our staff meeting here i don't know 3 or 4 months ago and i sat down with my wife was there the pastor Ray was there, Pastor Philemon was there, and I said, guys, you know, I, I'm going through some kind of depression right now. I can't put my finger on it, but man, I'm just, I'm just, it's like I can't get through this. Now, you know, after a time, I realized that, you know, my mom died, and then just six weeks later, my little brother died, and, and I don't mourn well. I don't do this stuff well. I'm, 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 I'm always helping everybody else. It's really tough to help myself and to get help myself and to ask for help myself. And so, you know, I was going through this time of kind of being depressed. And then I thought, devil, I know what you do. Yeah, my mom's dead. She's in heaven. Yeah, my little brother, I believe he's in heaven too. So what's the story? What do I have to be bummed out about? They're gone. Well, let's go back to that 51st Psalm. They can't come back to me, but one day takes me right out of the depression. See, this is the way the enemy works. He will oppress you, just you got this, just, just kind of weight on you. He will cause you to get obsessed. You're just preoccupied with everything, and if you don't get through that, then he'll start suppressing you. Now you're so obsessed with everything, you can't do anything and ultimately you'll get depressed. What's the word I didn't say? Possessed. Christians cannot be possessed. Okay? There are Christian teachers that teach you can. You can be you can be oppressed, obsessed, suppressed and depressed, but you cannot be possessed unless you choose to leave leave Christ. Are you with me? Okay, a believer cannot be possessed. It's in your notes. We are already the possession of Christ, and light and darkness cannot abide together. I used the example last week, and it's not my example. This example has been around for a long, long time. My wife actually started using it uh, a long, long time ago, and and, uh, you ever open a closet door? Did you ever watch the darkness of that closet fall out into the room? How many opened the closet door and there wasn't a light on, and all of a sudden the room outside became dark when you opened that door? Did that happen? What happened? When you opened that door, what happened to the darkness? It went away. Just like those roaches. Just like those rats. When the light of the glorious gospel comes in, they got to flee. 1 Corinthians 6.19, who has that? Go ahead. Or, you, or do you
1: not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own?
0: Do or you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? How many know the Holy Spirit, God, is a jealous God? He ain't sharing his temple with anybody. And so if God is dwelling in you, the devil can't dwell in you. But it says these words in it. It's in your notes. You are not your own. 1 John 4, 4. Who has that?
1: You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world.
0: Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Okay, so I just want to quickly go through this. Though a believer cannot be possessed, a believer can be obsessed; he can be preoccupied with Satan or the demonic. Okay, how does the enemy do that? Through a spirit of fear. How many ever? This is a dumb question. How many were ever afraid of the dark growing up? Besides me, you know, you know, darkness is is you know part of part of life. Okay, but the reality: how many ever was afraid of the boogeyman? Or something under your bed. Oh, yeah. Not necessarily tonight, okay. <laughs> but, yeah. This is what the inner we get obsessed. Can I tell you something? Now once you listen to me, Christian. I don't watch horror movies. I've seen things that they have never put in horror movies. I don't watch horror movies. You shouldn't either. You shouldn't watch vampire movies. You shouldn't watch demonic movies. Oh, Pastor, come on, you No, don't worry, I'm not gonna tell you that it's okay to watch Harry Potter. You should not. You should not watch Twilight while you love sick people. You should not, folks, and I'm not telling you, you you do whatever you want to. He who thinks he stand, lest he. Satan's deception is real. And if I can do that, why can't I do something else? Let me just throw this out there. Your husband and your wife will never be a porno star. So, don't even watch that stuff. Some of you sit back, what does that mean? Why would you even give your eyes to stuff like that? Why would you even look at the billboards? Why would you even look at some? Pastor, they're there. That's fine. Turn your eyes. It's everywhere. We are in the world, but we are not deception. He that thinks he stand, take heed, lest he fall. Don't be obsessed, but Christians can be obsessed. We can be oppressed. Oppression is a is to a Christian is the repeated pressure of Satan that brings discouragement and causes worry and frustration, and it all roots from fear. False evidence appearing real. What was the new acronym we saw someplace on fear? Fear everything and run or face everything and rise. I shared a story. Go ahead.
1: So if you have the spirit of fear, is that not being possessed? Is that just being oppressed? Or Say it again. So having the spirit of fear, is that not being possessed? It's being oppressed?
0: It is being oppressed. It is being oppressed. And from the oppression, you can turn into to obsession. And then it can turn into suppression. Because I have this oppression, the devil, you know, just... Just what, what? What? I'm just. You know. Just okay, let me. Let me tell you something, folks. You know, what's sweeping the Christian community right now. Anxiety. Afraid of everything, with rooting nothing. Anxiety medicine is everywhere, everywhere. Okay. Why? Because of this spirit, because of the spirit of fear. This oppression. Okay, now, if we allow that spirit, that spirit of fear, to oppress us very shortly, we'll become obsessed. And we'll just kind of lock ourselves away. And we'll just stop focusing on anything. And then very soon, we'll become suppressed and eventually depressed. Am I making any sense? So let's, that great subject, spirit of fear. Let's talk about it. Every one of us has dealt with it at one degree or another, at one extent or another. Is that a spirit of fear? No, that's called common sense and, <laughs> and just being smart. Can I tell you something? My wife, I don't think she laughs at me. I think she thinks I'm weird. Before I ever did it, before I ever traveled internationally, before I ever travel, I watch airplane crashes. That's the question they ask. Why? Because, you know, I give a logical aspiration. If a crash goes down, where is the best place to be on a plane? Now, I already know because God's already spoke to me, I'm not going to die in an airplane crash. So if you ever want to know you're not going to die, just fly with me. Okay? Because I'm not going to die. Oh, well, Pastor, what if it's somebody else's time to die on an airplane? They're not going to be on my plane. Okay? Or the whole plane's going to go down, I'm the only one who's going to live. Okay, that's one of the reasons God was able to get me to go to 36 different nations of the world. You're not going to die in a plane. Okay. Now, folks, I flew from San Francisco to Moscow. When the wall first came down, I was one of the, I mean, literally the wall came down in, in October. And I was in Russia in November. God had opened the door. I was going through a spirit of fear at the time. I got on that airplane, July 4th. I watched fireworks going off all over the place. I literally was scared to death from the moment I left San Francisco to the moment I touched down in Moscow. Why? No reason. I know I'm not going to die on a plane. What was happening? Oppression. The enemy had gotten in because of something I allowed. See, the enemy can't just get in. If fear comes in and it's not been allowed, then you can take authority over it because you know. But if you know that you've done something that's allowed it, they you have a heyday until you rise up and do what we sang in that song. God, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Okay? So you see, Believers can be obsessed. Believers can be oppressed. Okay? Believers can be suppressed. And believers can be depressed. But believers cannot be possessed. Okay? So in your notes, why is it that we can overcome? I shared the story last week. Uh, if you ever saw the Lord of the Rings trilogy, in part two, you find where uh, King Theoden was possessed by the demon spirit of Solomon, Saruman, okay, and how Gandalf came in and cast the demon out of him, and uh, he was back in his right mind and right back in his right senses. Okay, we have an entire army fighting for us. Okay, did I give somebody Ephesians chapter six verse twelve? Did I give that to anybody? Did I miss any scriptures with anybody yet? Okay ephesians 6:12 Sarah do you have can you get that for me ephesians 612 uh, Chuck Erler, Psalm 148 2 and 5 uh, Pastor honey job 38 4 through 7 okay uh, Ivan uh, Luke 20 34 36 okay uh, Scott Baumier second Peter chapter 2 verse 11. Uh, Amber, do you have your Bible with you? Okay. Uh, Luke chapter 1, verses 13 through 15. Okay. Uh, 2 Kings, uh, Judy's husband. Bill, 2 Kings six fifteen 15 through 17. Okay. And then um, Mrs. Davis, Hebrews thirteen two. Okay. And Sherelle, Zechariah 5, 9. We're going to run through this just rather quickly because I want to just open it up for questions. I want to talk about this as we conclude this, this uh, passage, okay? And I'm going to read the 91st Psalm. I'm going to read the whole Psalm to you, okay? Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. I'm, I'm purposely ending this because we realize Satan is a real figure. He's not a personification. He's a real person. He really has great power. He has no authority, but he has great power. And that he can deceive. And if we open doors, he can come in and dominate your life. You can do something about it. But not without cost. It will be a battle. Okay? You can overcome. David, the Bible says the sword never left his life. He couldn't build the temple like he wanted to. Solomon, listen to this. Through Bathsheba. The second child, the first one, God says, not going to live. But God restored David and gave him Solomon. And we know Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived, richest man that ever lived. Okay, what that shows you is, yes, you can mess up. Yes, it will cost you, but God will completely restore you. That's the picture of David's life. (laughs) By the way, he's the only one called A man after God's own heart. Okay? How do we know we can be victorious no matter where we're at? God's Word. How do we know? What is Lucifer? He is a fallen angel. Okay? Lucifer is a fallen angel. and. A myriad of angels followed him when he fell. Once again, you think you can get the upper hand on the devil? The angels were in God's presence and they still fell. I think the deus gustums and deceptive powers, doesn't he? Okay? Why can we defeat him? A third of the angels fell, but what was left? And do you know every single one of them are watching over you? Matter of fact, God specifically says I have specific angels given charge over each one of us. Now, I'm not telling you to go get yourself a little angel and hang it in your car. And I'm not saying if you do, I think we have one. Yeah, my wife has one in her car, okay? I don't think that's the angel watching over you, okay? But the reality, the Bible tells us, the Bible tells us that we have angels watching over us. They are given charge to take care of us. You know when my wife and I go to bed at night? You know what my prayer is besides many other things I pray for? Thank you, Lord, for your angels posted about our house. When I travel with my wife, without my wife, my prayer in those hotel rooms, wherever I'm staying, God, I don't care what was here before now. I'm here now. That means you're here. Thank you for your angels. Post a charge. Folks, demons are in my room. But they ain't coming near me. These are real creatures. These are real, and they're sent with an obstruction, with an assault against you. But something greater. But he has no power. I taught this here a few weeks ago. We have people all the time say, I rebuke the devil. I rebuke you, devil. I rebuke you. Folks, you can't rebuke the devil. The only person in the Word of God that says they can rebuke the devil is Jesus. Even Michael, from what we know, the highest angel that we know of in Scripture, when he was battling with Satan in, in the book of Jude, Anybody know what he said to him? The Lord rebuke you. Can I tell you, when he put Jesus' name on it, case closed. When I pray, God, I thank you for your angels. Case closed. The devil knows he can't do anything. Oh, he'll still try. He'll try to throw a whisper across the room. I don't know. The Bible does call them fiery darts. Am I making any sense? Amen. How do we remain victorious? Through the blood of Christ and the word of his testimony, according to Revelation chapter 12. We overcome him by the blood of the lamb and the word of his testimonies. But here's something that we have. 6, 12 of Ephesians. Go ahead and read it.
1: For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms.
0: Our battle is not against flesh and blood. Folks, listen to me. Listen to me. You get an attitude against a brother or a sister, a friend or a worker, an employer, an employee. You get an attitude. You better get over it real quick. Okay? Why? Because they're not the problem. There's an enemy that's trying to put a demise on your life, your life. And you know what? The minute that you take offense, the minute you take uh, some kind of, of uh, assault against this scenario, you've just opened the door for the enemy to come in. God said, "Hey, I'm, you either trust me that I'm gonna take care of this, or you." Let's see what's the saying about? "Vengeance is mine," says the Lord. And you know what? God's name's not Steve. God's name's not Carol. God's name's not Lucinda. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay. The minute that we take that offense, the reason, the minute we take that that animosity and that bitterness and that resentment, all you do is open the door. I, I use an analogy when I had my whiteboard in the other building, and I, I need to get one. Bob has told me that a million times. My wife has told me that. I'm, I need to get a whiteboard in here. Actually, what would you say, Bob? I need to get one of those. Yeah, those kind that I can write. This goes right up there. I I gave the analogy of a, of an easement. How many know what an easement is? Okay. If you buy a piece of property, and the you have a utility line going through that, uh, or the or the uh, uh, state of, uh, of Arizona, or the county of Coconino uh, has uh, utility lines and stuff. You automatically lose that property to what's called an easement because they have to have right of access. How many understand what I'm saying? Okay. Well, when you get saved, there is a there is a a balloon, if you will, a hedge of protection. The Bible calls it. Remember how Satan had to go to God and ask for permission to come against against uh, uh, Job? It's the same thing in all of our lives. Nothing touches the father's child until it first touches the child's father. The father has to get permission unless you give an easement. And the way that happens is you have that hedge of protection about you, but you do something contrary to God's word. You decide to take it upon yourself to do this situation or that situation. You get bitter. You get resentful. You get some something like that. What you've done is you've allowed an easement to go straight from the... Devil to you. And you know what happens? God just sits back and says, how's that working out for you? <laughs> now, all you got to do is repent. That's another of those, those words that we don't use in church much anymore. Just like how many churches preach on this stuff. You want to build a church? Don't preach on the devil. Well, I guess we're doing it, don't we? Because <laughs> you know, God said to, so we're doing it anyway. Okay? but that's what happens. You you allow that easement. Okay? What happens is you allow the right of access to assault you when you choose to do it your way, not God's way. Questions? That was worth the whole night right there. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, against principalities, powers, rulers, of darkness, spiritual wickedness and high places, evil in the heavenly realms. We are posed with this reality that just like there are demonic figures, but there are angelic figures, okay? Why is it that we believe in these angelic beings, but we don't believe in demonic beings? Satan is a fallen angel. All angels come from God. God created all angels, the Scripture is full of this truth of angels. So I want to take a moment and I want to read to you a picture of the protection that you and I have from all that is opposed against us. And I'm going to read this to you out of the, uh, the, the NLT. Look what it says, Psalm 91. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest under the shadow of of the Almighty. No fear. No salt. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge. He alone is my place of safety. He is my God. I trust Him. He will rescue me from every trap and protect me from every disease. He will cover me under His feathers. No, that doesn't mean God's a chicken. Okay? And He will shelter me under His wings. His faithful promises are our armor and protection. Any of this so far says it's about us protecting ourselves? It says it's about us keeping in him. And because I stay in him, look what it says here. I don't have to be afraid of the terrors of night. I don't have to be afraid of the arrows that fly by the day. No dread of disease that stalks in the darkness or disaster that strikes at midnight. Though a thousand may fall at my side, ten thousand are dying all around me. These evils will not touch me. Does that sound like somebody that's afraid of anything? Just open your eyes. Look at the world around you, how they're punished. If you make the Lord your refuge... If you make the Most High your shelter, no evil will conquer you. And this is a pretty encouraging, Psalm. Isn't this awesome? Look what it says here: <coughs> For He will order His angels to protect you. How many think God's angels are bigger than the devil's angels?
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> they will hold you up in their hands, so you don't even hurt your foot against a stone. Remember how Satan tried to tempt Jesus with that? Jump off the tower. Lucinda said something a little while ago. What if you're afraid of snakes? What if you're afraid of flying? That's not a problem. That's just, you know, I'm what, afraid of not being stupid. That's, that works. <laughs> yeah. The devil told him, jump off this temple. God's angel will keep your foot from dashing a stone. What did Jesus say? You don't tempt God. You don't play stupid. Am I making any sense? He said, you will trample upon lions and cobras and crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust me. When they call on my name, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue. I will honor them. I will reward them with a long life because I have been their salvation. How cool is that? See, this is why we can be victorious no matter what happens. But the enemy still works day and night. Look at the 148th Psalm, verses 2. Who has that? 148th Psalm, verse 2.
1: Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his hosts.
0: What's five say?
1: Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created.
0: God created all the angels, folks. He commanded that they praise him, and he is praised. Job 38, 4 through 7. Got to move pretty quick here because we got a Sorry. long way to go. All right. Job 38, 4 through 7.
1: It says, where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? On what were its footings set? Or who laid its cornerstone? while the morning stars sang together, and all the angels shouted for joy.
0: God is, is in this passage, is mocking Job. Why? Because Job had gotten to that place where he thought he could stand, though he was falling hard. Oh, he wasn't falling because he sinned or did anything wrong, but he was a pretty self-righteous kind of guy. And as you read the book of Job, you find out, yeah, this guy thought he was all that in a bag of chips. But God knew that Job really loved him. That was just like Abraham when he walked up to Mount Moriah with with his son. He knew exactly what he was going up there for. He was going to offer Isaac. God said, I want your only son. He walked up the mountain. But before he left the base of the mountain, what did he tell the servants? The boy and I will return. You see, Abraham knew God. But God was saying, okay, Abraham, I'm going to help you to know you. And I want you to grab this real quick. Okay? There's a time in our Christian life where we got to know who we are. I'm a very confident Christian. I know who I be. And sometimes that confidence is taken as arrogance. Oh, who's that guy think he is? Just a guy who knows who he is in Christ. Okay? And because of that confidence, I will do things that most people won't go. You know, I once again, I've Traveled all over the world, and majority, I'd probably say 98% of my international travel was alone because I couldn't get any other pastors brave enough to go with me to some of the places I would go. It It was kind of interesting, but God was there the whole time. He said, go. I said, okay. Well, pastor, did God speak to you every time? Yeah. He didn't say no, so I go. If he don't say no, I go. Why? The Bible says go. So I go. And you've heard the story of the only place that I didn't go because he said no. And if you want to know that story, I'll tell it to you afterwards. You can come ask me. But the reality is Abraham was walking up this mountain. The whole time knowing. Now, listen to the the impact that Abraham the father had on Isaac the son. Dad, I... I see the wood. I see the altar that we just built. But where's the sacrifice? See, even Isaac knew when God called, there is a sacrifice. Look at me. Your life has to be a sacrifice. You have to die to live. And as long as you're in charge, oh, you will die. Take heed, he that thinks he stand, lest he fall. Dad, where's the sacrifice? What was Abraham's response? God will provide. You see the whole time, Abraham knew his God. He knew God wasn't going to ask him anything he couldn't do. Folks, same thing with you. But the problem is, is we have this idea of what we can and can't do. But God knows what you can do. But you won't do. And God said, well, you won't, I won't. We're good. When God gets the keys to your life, he has to have it all. There's an old saying, Lord of all, or not Lord at all. Abraham lifts up his boy. Ties him up. Now, most of us think that Isaac's anywhere from 17 to 23 years old at the time. Abraham's 100 years old. Actually, 125. He was 125 when Isaac was born. So he's 150 years old now. He died at 175. How many think a 20-year-old boy, give or take, can overpower a 150-year-old man? Now, I'm not sure about Isaac Abraham. He might have been pretty stout. But what does Isaac do? He just lays down. Why? He heard his dad's word. God will provide. And Isaac knew I'm not the sacrifice God wants. God's got a bigger picture here. If you're going through something and it looks like the devil's all around you, ask God. God is this oppression? Obsession? Suppression? depression. I know it's sure the heck it ain't possession. Well, we know the rest of the story. God raised the knife, or Abraham raised the knife and the Lord shows up and says, don't you do the harm to that boy. And then God provided. He won't do it until you know who you are in him. So, well, pastor, how, how did that? What did he say at the end in the story? Now I know you love me because you wouldn't withhold what meant your life. When we hold ought bitterness, resentment, all these different things against people. When we stand up because they did something. Or when things aren't going right, we get mad at God. Or we get oppressed, suppressed, depressed. All all these different pressions. Who's God on the throne? Take heed. He who thinks he stand. But we've got all of heaven fighting for us. Okay? All of heaven. Okay? Luke chapter 20, just for sake of time, I'm not going to let you guys read anymore. Okay? I'm just going to read it to you. The angels have no age. Okay, they're, they're not limited by time and space. Second Peter chapter 2, the angels are stronger than anyone. They're stronger than any man. They're stronger than any woman. They're stronger than, than any situation that you'll ever deal with, which is why you know if you are a Christian and you're in a situation and you're living for God that there are angels standing right there ready to take any moment the, 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 the bull by the horns. Okay, in Luke chapter one verse thirteen, Zechariah is is uh, is uh, uh, praying, and Elizabeth is giving birth to a son. And the angel of the Lord tells Zachariah, says, "Zachariah, you're an old dude. She's an old girl, but don't be afraid. You're going to give birth, and his name's going to be John, and he is going to be the forerunner of what God wants to do. If you're going through something in your life, the devil's trying to come in with all kinds of lies and deceits, stop for a minute and say, I know who I am in Jesus, and I know where I'm standing in Jesus, and I'm not going to fall on this thing. God, show me what is going on. And God will do exactly that, just like he did to Zechariah. He said, I'm going to set a man to be the forerunner of Christ coming. And he said, I'm going to do all of this and nobody's going to see it. But you're going to know it. And we find that when Mary and Elizabeth were both pregnant, Mary's coming to visit Elizabeth. And what happens to that baby in that womb? He jumps. He jumps. Elizabeth doesn't know anything about Mary being pregnant. And out of her lips comes the words, blessed is the child in your womb. Blessed are you among women because God chose you. Mary ain't got a clue what's going on. Elizabeth ain't got a clue what's going on. All they know is God is doing something. And they're trusting to stand in the middle of it. Can somebody say amen? Most of God, what He does is invisibly behind the scenes, but it manifests itself in your life and mine on a daily basis. That's why the Word of God tells us in Hebrews 13, do not forget to entertain strangers. Do not forget to do good for everyone. Why? It might just be an angel. Just might be an angel. Zechariah talks about angels are male and female. Majority of the time when they show up on earth they're male. But they have shown up in female. I say all of that to say this at the end of this session. Greater is he that is in us. There's more for us than against us. And what you have to do when you're at that place in your life, and you're dealing with things and you're thinking, God, have I opened the door for the devil? Ask that question. And if you go through all the faults, you go through everything, you say no. Okay, devil, you're an unwelcome visitor here. you got a problem. I know who I am. But you don't know that you're in trouble. You don't know that you're in trouble. That's one of the reasons that I can stand so confidently. Not because I'm anything. I'm not all that in a bag of chips. It's just as long as I keep my focus, he shows up, he's the one in trouble. That's why he comes knocking on my door. I don't just answer. Oh, it's you. Jesus, somebody's here to see you. He ain't here to see me. I got nothing with him. But you see, you can stand like that when you know who you are. When you know who you are. Do you? Do you? Are you playing games? He only has one one power, and that's deception. But in his deception, he uses perversion. He takes a little truth and adds it to a lot of lie. Do you know who you are in Christ that you can see through the lie to the truth? That's what happened in the in the wilderness. That's why Jesus didn't respond with his own thoughts and ideas. He said devil it's written. Devil it's written. Devil it's written. Pastor, I don't know if it's written. I don't read my Bible. Ding, 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 ding. If the only Bible you get is what you get in church, we get problems. You got to read your Bible. Well, where do I start? Well, I can tell you where to start. I can tell you how to read it and to get a ton out of it. Yes, this is Baptiste. Yes. If what?
1: If, uh, If the enemy torments. Yeah. Does that mean that you are possessed or yeah, I'm sorry? Um,
0: if the devil torments you, does that mean you what?
1: Are possessed or No you're It could be
0: that you opened a door for something, or it could be that he's trying to get you to open a door. Oh. Okay. The devil doesn't just show up because you've opened a door. He's always knocking at the door. Mm. He's always wanting in.
1: Can I say something real quick?
0: I think you have the microphone.
1: <laughs> when we <laughs> when we moved here we were staying in hotels and um we went in this we stayed in this room and I felt like so uncomfortable and I felt so much anxiety like so much fear uh-huh. and I was like babe like I'm so scared and I feel like running out of here he's like go to yeah. sleep and I said no like there must be demons here and they're bugging me or something he's like and he's like doesn't really Believe much in that, but he was like, "No, you're fine." So I had to pray so much, and I, it, then I felt better. But Good. I felt so scared, like yeah. a lot of anxiety, and yeah. felt like could very well be out of there.
0: It could very well be. We live in we live in an interesting place. Okay, uh, there there are so many spirits on this mountain, mm-hmm. and so much so much darkness. Okay, we we got the reservation, the surrounding. It has so much spiritism and stuff, okay, that the enemy, this, in Flagstaff, Pastor. I was having coffee with Pastor Jim Dorman who was pastor of, of Christ Church for a long, long time, and uh, he just retired at the end of last year. And uh, we talked about Flagstaff. There, there were probably in the last seven years since my wife and I started, there's been approximately 20 churches that have started in Flagstaff. There's probably three left of the, of the whole bunch that started. Maybe four, okay? And majority of them that do start up, they last a couple of years, and then they'll stop. There's a great oppression on this mountain, okay? The nice thing that I told my wife, because this, you know, most, all you all know, this is Jewel, uh, her first time of, of pastoring, I say the first rodeo, okay? But the reality, because she's my second wife, my, uh, you know, I I got a divorce, and if you want to know about it, I'll tell you all about it again, Okay? Uh, but the reality is, she, up here on this mountain, where was I going with this? <laughs>
1: spirit.
0: Uh, spirit. Talking about the heavy spirit up here, talking about, you know, the enemy, talking about all of this. Praise the Lord, Praise the Lord it'll come back. I train just left the station. <laughs> uh, you know, I was telling you the story for a reason, and I can't remember what it was, but... But, uh, oh, I know why. I know why. (laughs) We came up to this mountain, and God said, you know why I brought you to this mountain? Because it's the same from the mountain that you just left. I was at the base of the Santa Cruz Mountains in California, and they got the same demonic spirits. They got the same witch covens. They got the same uh, uh, native history that they have right there in the Santa Cruz Mountains. And some of the greatest demonic activities come from that area. And that's why God brought us up here, so I can deal with the same spirits that I've known for all these years. Thanks, God. (laughs) Okay? But that's what it is. That's what I was trying to say. But, uh, you know, God gave me a great warrior. And we battled this thing together. (laughs) So it's really, really cool. But you're never going through anything alone. God is always with you. I'm going to give you homework. Go home and read the 91st Psalm. Go home and read the 91st Psalm. Okay? And uh, I want to ask you, I have tons more stuff to talk about. How many want me to continue this series next week? Uh, I'm seriously. So lift your hand. If you want me to continue this series next week, uh, lift your hand up high. Okay. If you don't want me to continue this series, lift your hand up high. Okay, I guess we'll continue this series. OK? And uh, I will get you new notes next week, and we will dump, we'll delve deeper into the reality of why you are victorious and the enemy not. Okay? Yes, Carlos. Do I have anything to say about the upcoming eclipse? Yeah, I don't know if it has any bearing on anything. You know, I, I'm reading all the stuff and I... I know there's supposed to be an X right across America with this new eclipse. And, and this new eclipse is kind of, it's like a 100-year thing. And it's, you know, they're saying, well, it's falling right. It's August 21st is when it's falling. And uh, we've got uh, the alignment of the stars September 23rd. And they're saying there's a correlation with the, with the harvest, with the autumn festivals. When Jesus left this earth, he filled he fulfilled all the spring festivals. When he returns, he will fulfill all of the autumn festivals just like that. And the last festival is the the Feast of Tabernacles or booths or trumpets, depending on which way you want to word it. And the Bible says at the last trump of God, the rapture happens. The dead in Christ rise first, and then we who are alive and remain. A lot of people think that's happening this year. Why? Because we're in the middle of the Jubilee, okay? We're in the middle of the 50th anniversary of Israel becoming a nation again, which at the Jubilee is when God restores everything back to what it was supposed to be, okay? These are all the things. Now, I'm not telling everybody everything's going away on on September 23rd, okay? Okay. But I'm saying these are the things that Carlos is talking about. These are a lot of the stuff that you see happening out there. Folks, I hope it happens. I'd like to go home. Okay? I'm not, I'm not, looking, to, I'm not looking forward to die. I'm looking forward to eternity. Okay? But the reality is I don't know. All, all I know is there's a lot of interesting stuff. And the Bible says that when you start to see all these things happen, and the key phrase, at the same time. Look up. Lift up your eyes, for your redemption is right at the door. Is he coming back September? I hope so. I hope he comes back tonight. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? But the reality, folks, if you're not, then you can have the church. We leave all the money in the bank and... You can keep it going. Because people during the tribulation, people are gonna need it. But I recommend don't go through the tribulation period. Only one way out as a Christian, and that's to lose your head. That's what the Bible teaches. Okay? Well, I'll just I'll just hide. <laughs> Remember this guy that is a deceiver and he's got an unnumbered amount of angels? Where are you gonna hide? Any questions before we, we'll pick up pick this up next week. Uh, Joshua.
1: Question by comment. It always encourages me when the Lord says, um, fear does not come from me. So when I feel fearful or scared of a situation, um, I just go to that verse. Fear does not come from me. And First and Timothy chapter 7. For God has mind. not given
0: you a spirit of fear but of power and of love. And of a sound mind. Power to know the greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Love. The Bible says perfect love cast out fear. And a sound mind that means I'm getting control of my faculties. Devil, you're not welcome here. You got a problem, and his name is Jesus. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for your grace, your word, and we praise you for learning that we're not ignorant of the enemy's devices in Jesus' name.